If you're a fan of fat, then you need to try the F-bombs. Go to JimmyLovesFbomb.com, enter the coupon code JimmyLovesFbomb, and you'll get 20% off of your first order. So what are these F-bombs? They are nut butters, and they have incredible combinations of coconut and macadamia nut, macadamia nut butters, and my favorite is salted chocolate macadamia nut butter. They also have several oil blends, including the house blend, the MCT oil, as well as coconut oil. If you want your fat on the go, then you need to check out JimmyLovesFbomb.com. And once again, use the coupon code JimmyLovesFbomb. You'll get 20% off your first order. JimmyLovesFbomb.com. It's time for Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. Featuring veteran health podcaster Jimmy Moore and functional medicine practitioner Dr. Will Cole. They're here every Thursday answering your questions about low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diets. Now, it's time to drop some keto knowledge on Keto Talk. Keto Talk. Here's Jimmy and Will. Hey, hey, guys. We're back here on Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. Episode 102. Visit our website, ketotalk.com, and you can also connect with your fellow ketonians at ketotalkfb.com. And we're here each and every Thursday answering your questions about low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic diets. And it's good to have Dr. Will Cole back with us. He's a functional medicine practitioner practicing out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, drwillcole.com. Welcome back, Will. It's good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jimmy. Yeah, man. What am I saying? Thanks for having me. Thanks I've for having me for on my own show. How many episodes have, a, have you done? <laughs> I'm like, I'm on the couch hanging out your, your house. It's so funny. Thanks for having me, brother. So if I go away for one week, I know how you're going to treat me when I get back. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you back, and uh, we're going to talk about all the great things that are happening out there in the world of health and keto. So let's start with one of these health headlines. We've got a bunch of them lately. It seems like because ketogenic diets have become all the rage in our culture that everybody has an opinion about what they are. And of course, they went and found this well and good website, found what the South Beach Diet founder thinks about fiber-fed diets and Keto. So, uh, have you ever met Arthur Ag- Agatson? No, I have not. I'm not. But met you know him, his you? work, obviously, from the South oh, Beach yeah. diet. So he's been out there for many, uh, many years. Uh, they say long before Whole Thirty, uh, before keto, even before paleo was a thing. It was the South Beach diet. It's kind of a low fat. Lowish carb, uh, low glycemic carb, unsaturated fats, high fiber, lean protein diet. So kind of a, a low fat, moderate uh, carbohydrate. I, I, I can't even describe it. It's just kind of weird. But it's been out there and it was popular in the past. So they decided to ask uh, Dr. Agustin what he thinks about the ketogenic diet. And of course, the uh, the guy that was uh, interviewing him said, speaking of fad diets, what do you think about the keto diet diets? <laughs> so he uh, he answered the first phase of the South Beach diet is nearly the ketogenic diet. And the original ketogenic diet was the Atkins diet. We can talk about why 
that's not true either. Uh, people lose weight on it. Certainly, that's why people love the first phase of the South Beach diet so much. They notice a difference. When you do it in the short term, keto is good for brain function, but I don't think it's safe nor sustainable to stay on it long term. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had a statistic pulled out of someone something uh, that said 1% of keto dieters stick to it. <laughs> and, and so it seems like once again, uh, Dr. Agatston's kind of doing the same thing, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. He said, at least like you said, he acknowledged that ketogenic diet is good for brain function. But I mean, I, do you expect anything else? I mean, he has the South Beach diet. So to say ketogenic is good long term would be antithetical to the book that he's been selling for a lot of years. But you know what? Uh, We've seen other trends like uh, Weight Watchers and Nutrisystem. They all have come out with a kind of a lower carb version of their plan. So I would think if he's a if he's a marketer worth his salt, he would at least say, you know, we can kind of ketofy. Uh, the South Beach diet, and then after a period of time, put you back on regular South Beach if he thinks it's optimal. Yeah, I mean, he's acknowledging the first phase of of this diet is basically, he says, nearly the ketogenic diet. So, um, you know, I'd be interested beyond the soundbite that's in the Well and Good article, what's his full opinion of it, because I think he was just scratching the surface and his thoughts on the matter. Sounds like a Live in La Vida Low Carb Show podcast interview. <laughs> I've tried yeah. to reach out to him before when South Beach was kind of at its heyday and I was a newer podcaster back in the mid to late 2000s and he would never come on the show. I, uh-huh. I asked him several times and he just flat out never responded, which I was surprised because I, I, I have vegans. I have everybody on my show. <laughs> yeah, Maybe he'll do it today. Maybe. He- Yeah, I would love to hear his thoughts, like you said, kind of get him in a more relaxed uh, atmosphere and see what he really says and get into the nitty gritty of why he doesn't think it's sustainable. Well, let's move on to the Daily Mail. Processed foods are driving up rates of cancer. Major study reveals the health threat, including cereal, energy bars, sausages, And chocolate. What's that childhood game? One of these things just doesn't belong here. Uh, Eating (laughs) processed foods significantly raises the risk of cancer, experts have said. The disease is claiming more lives because of the popularity of ready meals. Sugary cereals and fizzy drinks, also dangerous, the wide-ranging study found. Families are told to heed the warning and read food labels more carefully. Now, they're kind of lumping processed foods, all of these kind of gobbledygook of crappy garbage, as I call it, with even sausage. And I, I you know, it, it, it was perplexing when I saw sausage listed amongst all those things and even chocolate to a lesser degree. Uh, if you get good quality, dark chocolate, I'm not seeing how that's a health threat from the cancer standpoint. But what do you think about this? Yeah, they're lumping uh, fat, salt, and sugar all in one thing and kind of saying that is the the cause of it. And we know this is a much more nuanced uh, conversation where this is – and they they do acknowledge the fact that it's devoid of nutrients because these aren't real foods. Um, But yeah, and they're not even taking into consideration any additives or chemicals that are in these processed foods, trans fats. Obviously, maybe when you talk about fats, maybe it's the trans fats. This is a bigger conversation. But I think the, the major takeaway would be processed foods over, you know, you have to pick real foods over processed foods. For sure. For sure. And the good news is there are healthier 
sausages. There are healthier chocolate. Um, there's even healthier cereal and energy bars. If you want to look for those kinds of things that have real food ingredients, I don't think lumping all of the things together. It's kind of like when they do trans fats and saturated fats, <laughs> as yeah. if those two things are exactly the same. Uh, differentiating the good from the bad is certainly the challenge of most consumers that aren't educated like our audience is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next headline. This is from ValpoLife.com. And this was a fun one because the picture they use is of uh, mealworms that I give my chickens every single day. Crunchy bugs and grimy grubs, the future of food? When you're looking for a bite-sized snack, what could be better than a tiny crunchable bug? Probably a lot in my opinion, but let's dive into the crunchy topic anyway. I've never eaten one, but let's set aside our biases and take this walk down. Ew, that's gross road together. So it goes into this long, uh, really nice article, nicely written article about how the future of food could very well be in bugs. Now, I remember when I was going to paleo conferences several years ago, cricket and cricket flour was kind of the big thing. Did you ever try any of those cricket bars or cricket flour when you were at Paleo FX? Yes, I did. And I, same with the Ancestral Health Symposium, AHS. I was actually on a train in Atlanta one year and these yeah. cricket, these guys were talking about cricket flour. This is years ago. Yes. And now they have one of the big, you know, I forget the name of it, but it's just a cricket bar. Um, cricket it's called Echo Bar or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Exo, like Exoskeleton. That's right. Exo Bar. That's right. Yeah. So really cool guys. But yeah, I, I've had it before. It's the article was really cool. They talk about this concept of ent- entomophagy, uh, which is the human use of insects for food. Uh, and pretty cool statistics. They found that it, for, for starters, they say mealworms, which can be found all over the world. Oh, and- yeah. In pet stores. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have, I buy mine pro- online, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said it have protein content, vitamins, and minerals that are similar to what can be found in fish meat. And it says grasshoppers are on par with ground beef for protein content, but they say and have less fat per gram because they're somehow saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but – it, from a protein standpoint, a, a clean protein even standpoint, it's it's a quite an interesting uh, food source that I think people are kind of growing interest in it. You know what I wanted to do was go grab a bag of the uh, mealworms right, that I feed my chickens and eat some behind the microphone. But nobody would actually believe that I actually did that. I may <laughs> do that on like a Facebook Live or yeah. Instagram story at some time. <laughs> you See, could get a I lot. I told of, you I could yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd get a lot of shares on that one. Look at this freak eating, <laughs> eating mealworms. Freak eating like his chickens, yes. And they're too they're too high in protein and low in fat for my taste, though. I would have to like put some butter or something with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never mind the taste. I have no idea what they taste like, but my chickens love them. And I do love this whole idea that we have this food source all over the world and Nobody's eating them. Well, at least not in America. Maybe in other countries they are. But here in America, we we don't even think about this because of the, quote, gross factor. Yeah. I remember when I was little um, that a a guy, a kid was a uh, from a missionary family and he gave us all crickets when I was in kindergarten in the 80s. Uh, So I think it was it's a thing in other countries, but not in our society. 
Yeah, certainly not. It's going to take a lot of convincing to to get <laughs> adults and kids alike to to start eating bugs. That's for sure. Well, let's move on to the next headline. High Plains Journal, despite naysayers, some follow savory path to holistic farming. Uh, Savory speaks at 2018 No-Till on the Plains Winter Conference. So Alan Savory, for those of you who don't know who that is, go check out. He's got a great TED Talk where he talks about how cows aren't the problem. Uh, Cows are the solution to a lot of the uh, issues that we're having with the farmland kind of becoming barren. Um, And so he's talked about uh, how beef reduces global warming and two-thirds of the world's grasslands are now turning to desert and soil is being exported daily as much as a 116-mile-long train and only cattle can stop this desertification. So I I know you are very well aware of who Alan Savory is, uh, Will, and I did this one just for you because I knew this would be at the heart of a lot of what you talk about in your work. But what do you think about this? Really awesome stuff. It says, um, like you had said, beef can reduce global warming and two thirds of the world's grasslands are turning into desert. He's as much as a 116 mile long train of soil is being exported daily. Um, and he said only cattle can stop this. Uh, he continues to preach that moving cattle to mimic wild grazing animals will heal the man-made damage to the environment. And I think people like him and Joel Salatin are really doing amazing things uh, to educate the layperson and other farmers of sustainable farming. And uh, and it's these guys are doing it. And these guys have this, the studies and the research and, and the practices to put this into action. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen Alan Savory uh, on the, his TEDx talk, Uh, You need to go check out his TED Talk, How to Fight Desertification and Reverse Climate Change. He gave it back in 2013, but it's still relevant today. His name is A-L-L-A-N-S-A-V-O-R-Y. And if you just do a Google search, you'll definitely find this video. And it's well worth your 22 minutes and 13 seconds to watch uh, because it's it's stunning. You know, I I think this is something uh, a lot of people that kind of want to keep their own agenda going don't want people to know about. And so uh, it's good that this information is getting out there and that he's still out there, um, you know, kind of trumpeting this cause. Definitely. Well, let's move to the next headline, MedPage Today, A Patient's Journey, Can I Kill the Glucose Monster? His prostate cancer lying low. Howard Walensky now focuses on his metabolic health. In uh, early January 2018, one of those bitter cold but sunny Chicago days, my wife Judy and I were grateful for a heated tunnel leading from a parking lot to the clinic at the University of Illinois at Chicago on the west side. I was visiting yet another health professional as I was looking for answers to controlling my type 2 diabetes. In the previous six months, I'd made significant progress. I had lost 35 pounds on a low carb diet trending towards ketosis had reduced my HbA1c to 5.2, a normal reading down from 7.8 in June of 2017. My primary care doctor recommended that I stay within a realistic realistic A1c range of 6 to 7 and told me I would be on metformin for the rest of my life. Now, he goes on to kind of talk about his journey and how mainstream medicine will let him down. And he had to kind of try to figure things out on his own and that his focus now is on trying to be optimally healthy in his metabolism. And through that, 
the prostate cancer and all the other health issues that he's had uh, will take care of themselves. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think that he, the the person in the article is kind of really going through a lot of what I see clinically is patients doing everything their doctor is telling them to do. Yeah. Um, they're good patient, they're compliant patients, but despite doing everything they're told to do, they're not where they want to be. And if you're not given any more solutions beyond the medication or whatever recommendation you're given, and if it's not working for you, you kind of have to do different results do something different to yes. see different results. That's so, right. I mean, what a cool thing to really sh- to, to take responsibility for your health and to be a good steward of it. And what I loved was in the article when uh, when the gentleman was telling him, uh, you're doing a great job. You're actually in the process of basically curing yourself of diabetes. You can cure yourself of type 2 diabetes, he said, adding that I can likely get off metformin if I want. And and the guy was so incredulous. Cure? Really? Cure? Are you sure? <laughs> and uh, yeah, really, it, it does happen. In fact, that's one reason Dr. Adam Nally and I are writing a book and coming out with a book soon called The Keto cure because this really does cure, at least metabolically speaking, the diseases of civilization, which includes type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Inflammation at large. That's the commonality between all of these issues that that keep the ketogenic diet is a great application. And it's showing more and more studies like we talked the other week on our 100th episode that this application of a healthy ketogenic diet is doing some amazing things for people's health. That's exactly right. Well, let's get to one more. Wait, that's all the headlines. I wanted to go to one more. (laughs) Well, let's pause here. We'll be right back. Have you been interested in trying the new cutting-edge technology of exogenous ketones but didn't know where to get started? Let me introduce you to Perfect Keto. Visit perfectketo.com slash jimmy and use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto was created by a functional medicine clinician who developed this unique formula for maximum efficacy. It's great tasting and the most affordable exogenous ketone supplement you can find that raises blood ketone levels up to 1.5 millimolar to help increase mental focus, boost your energy, and commence fat burning. It does not contain any soy, dairy, gluten, artificial sweeteners, binding agents, or anything that doesn't directly improve your health. The synergistic power of a low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat ketogenic diet with perfect keto exogenous ketones will have your body running optimally. Perfect Keto is available in delicious chocolate sea salt and peaches and cream flavors. Each serving comes with 11.38 grams of high-quality beta-hydroxybutyrate for maximum ketone boosting while adding in magnesium, potassium, cocoa, stevia, and vitamin C for extra micronutrition. Again, try Perfect Keto for yourself at perfectketo.com jimmy and be sure to use the coupon code LLV. LC at checkout to get 15% off your order. Perfect Keto. Hi, I'm Christine Moore, Jimmy Moore's wife, and I'm here today to tell you about the Nutritional Therapy Association and why I decided to go through their Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program. I figured, well, this will be a great opportunity for me to maybe possibly be able to help people with their nutritional issues and anything that they might be going through. 
Just the thought of me having to learn stuff again, it was intimidating. I didn't think that I would be able to do it. didn't think that I would be able to retain the stuff that I was learning and I would have a hard time on the quizzes and the tests. The NTA is looking for more keto practitioners. They believe in real food. They do not frown upon good, healthy fats. They believe that they should be a healthy part of the diet. The most gratifying part of the program has been getting to meet a bunch of like-minded people who are interested in nutrition. A lot of us came into this program with health issues of our own that we wanted to try to fix. The material that we're learning is just absolutely incredible. I thought I knew a lot about nutrition, but going through this program, there's so much more to it than what I actually knew. We learn about anatomy and physiology, so we learn about how things work in the body, how vitamins and minerals affect the body. So it's just been a great program. Anyone should do this program. It's a nine-month program that can pretty much fit into anybody's schedule. I mean, we have people that have children, full-time jobs going through this. So it's very flexible with your schedule. If you're thinking about it and not sure, I would highly recommend you go through it. Join the Nutritional Therapy Association today at nutritionaltherapy.com. We're back here on Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. My name is Jimmy Moore, international best-selling author of Keto Clarity and the Ketogenic Cookbook. He is Dr. Will Cole. DrWillCole.com is his website if you'd like to use his services as a functional medicine practitioner. And we're up to the first question we're going to talk about here today, Will. It's from Mark. Hi, Jimmy and Will. I read Keto Clarity, which I loved, and there's something I don't understand that you mentioned in the book. You said that it can take several weeks and even months for some people to get into a state of nutritional ketosis. How is this possible? Isn't the amount of glucose in the body insufficient for remaining a sugar burner for such a long period of time? Thanks for your help with this nagging question, Mark. Now, Mark, I almost put you in the Keto Talk mailbox because this is one of those kind of questions, but I thought we should start the show off with a bang today, Will. Why does it take some people several weeks and even months to become keto adapted when the body only holds a minimal amount of glucose? And I'll give you guys a fact. There's one teaspoon of sugar in your body. I, when people hear that, Will, they're like, what? That can't be right. What? What? <laughs> but it's true. One teaspoon of sugar is floating around in your body. Now, some a little more than that. Uh, and I think about J- Jimmy Moore at 410 pounds drinking 16 cans of Coca-Cola and whole boxes of Little Debbie snack cakes and all that crap. It took me a little while to get keto adapted. Why does it take so long? Well, in the what happens when you know in the first one to you know two days of someone going keto, glycogen or you know stored sugar, stored uh, carbs in our liver and and muscles are used to supply blood glucose and and the demands that our body has. And and like you said, the human liver contains you know around seventy ish hundred grams of of glycogen and the muscle contains about 400 grams as well. But it's really gluconeogenesis that's at play here and the pathways of gluconeogenesis that increase during this time to maintain 
blood sugar levels during the time that you're first going keto and and carbohydrate restriction. So the your brain and uh, the cells of our brain use ketones to sort of during this adaptation, but the brain derives about like before someone's gone keto, um, it, our brain derives about really fully 100% of its energy from glucose, from sugar. Um, but when your body is, becomes keto adapted, it provides about uh, 50% of the brain's energy during uh, carbo, carbohydrate restriction. So there's a study that I'm, I know of, it was published, I think in the uh, Journal of Clinical Investigation that found pretty remarkably, I know of a study published in the Journal of Clinical Investigation that found after 24 hours of fasting, acetoacetate and beta-hydroxybutyrate the main ketones that we're measuring in ketosis, whether through a breath meter or through a blood meter, yep. were elevated in our blood and in our muscles in this study. Uh, but this, the the sugar was not elevated past day three. So it's this keto adaptation during a fast, during a couple day fast, you really can make that shift a lot faster. But so it's possible to become keto adapted shorter at times, depending on what the person's going through as far as their health is concerned right. from a complete fast in two to three days um, by having, you know, what most people aren't doing this. They're but having would that be of, keto adapted that I guess, I guess it would increase ketones. But to Mark's question, why is it? Why does it take so long for the body to become keto adapted so that you're in a state of nutritional ketosis, not just spilling ketones? Right. And that, that takes time because you have to understand for the majority of your life and, you know, we're born in ketosis through breast milk or, you know, even um, babies that aren't. Uh, breastfed, they're, they're, what do they put in, in formulas is MCT oils and healthy fats. That was how our body is metabolically designed. But we're shifting that and l gradually leaving ketosis throughout our life. So your body's adapted to burning sugar, this dirty fuel, for the majority of our life. So that metabolic flexibility takes time to really transition. Um, so it's what's taken years to get to where someone's at metabolically, that metabolic shift to start training our metabolism, start burning ketones takes time. Yeah. And I love your explanation about gluconeogenesis and its role in this whole process of why it takes a while. Yeah. That was good. Well, Mark, thank you for that question. Hopefully that helps you out. And we are up to the study, study portion of the show. And this one is from Renal and Urology News. Low-carb diet tested as way to slow recurrent prostate cancer. So this article was a part of a conference coverage from the 2018 Geniturinary Cancer Symposium. How do you say that word? <laughs> Genitur Geniturinary. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I don't know. You're not saying it? Okay. Yeah. Leave me out there hanging, brother. Cancer <laughs> Symposium. It was in San Fran. Renal and Urology News staff uh, were reporting live. So the, the findings from a small randomized phase two trial showed that overweight men with recurrent prostate cancer who adhered to an extremely low carbohydrate diet for six months experienced dramatic weight loss compared with those who did not. Researchers reported at this conference and the ongoing trial who's led by Stephen Friedland. Do you know uh, Dr. Friedland? 
I do not. You've heard of him before? He's, I he's have been heard out of there him, for yes. a little while doing a lot of studies on kind of keto stuff uh, in testing whether severe restriction of carbohydrate in- intake can slow PSA doubling time. In lab mice, this has been shown to slow PCA growth. For the study, investigators instructed patients to consume less than 20 grams of carbs per day with no other dietary restrictions. They told patients in the control arm, don't change your diet at all. So to date, 36 men, 19 in the intervention arm, the keto uh, arm, 17 in the control arm have completed the study. Patient characteristics in the groups were well balanced at baseline with patients in the low carb and control arms having a medium weight, a median weight of 198 and 197 respectively and uh, similar BMIs. At six months, men in the intervention keto group lost significantly, significantly more weight than those in the control group. They also had a significantly lower BMI, 24.8 versus 30, and significantly smaller waist circumference. Uh, And in the interim analysis of an ongoing dietary study for men with a rising PSA after failed local treatment, an extreme low-carb diet produces uh, weight loss. So it seems like they focused a lot, Will, on the weight loss and the changes in in, uh, fat mass uh, on their body. But what I wanted to know is, what happened to the prostate cancer? What happened to the PSA? Did you did you dig deeper and see anything about that? Yeah, I mean, you're right. They focused they focused a lot on the, the metabolic changes, the weight changes, but it seems like it's promising that it's it's a positive way, a positive application to slow recurrent prostate cancer, yeah. which is huge. I mean, we know that cancer, most cancers feed on sugar. So we know in the keto world, this makes complete sense. Yeah. But I think studies like this and the studies like Dr. James the other week showing the positive uh, changes that are seen in inflammation uh, is positive. It's, it's helpful for many cancer patients as well. Hey, anytime I can talk about a low-carb diet in a positive way with a study, I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's kind of rare, but uh, it's becoming more and more common. So we're glad that uh, Dr. Friedland's getting that out there. Well, let's get to today's featured questions. The first one's from Mary. Hi, Jimmy and Will. I've been strict keto since January, seeing high levels of blood ketones and low levels of blood sugar but I still don't have the energy to resist chocolate or wine on Saturdays. I thought when I got into ketosis that I would feel a sudden rush of energy and positive well-being. That simply hasn't happened for me. How is it possible for me to have higher ketone levels and not experience the mental and energy benefits that come from that? I love the foods I get to eat on keto, but I need to start seeing some of the known benefits to keep me doing it. Thanks so much, Mary. So Mary wants to know, why am I not experiencing the mental and energy benefits of ketosis despite having higher levels of blood ketones? And kind of the first thing I thought of was she just started last month. So maybe her body hasn't fully made that switch over to uh, to experience the benefits. Yes, she's having higher ketone spillage and they're showing up in, in testing, but maybe she's not fully keto adapted, which is when those would kick in or she's got something else going on. Yeah, it's only been a month uh, for her, so it may take longer. So don't give up too quickly. And I think you know when we're talking about this earlier on this show is that lowering inflammation levels, becoming keto adapted takes time. The repair that's at play here takes time. It can take 
months easily for some people. So, and I think it's important too to look at other facets beyond ketosis uh, that are at play for specifically here for in the question fatigue and energy. So look at things like nutrient deficiencies. Uh, some of the things that I look at clinically would be vitamin D, uh, B vitamins, methylmalonic acid or like B12 yep. biomarkers, uh, CoQ10. Uh, I see also good success by maybe tr- uh, try upping brain specific uh, MCT fats or medium chain triglyceride fats. Uh, C8 is the one main carbon uh, chain, um, MCT chain that is good for the brain. Uh, there are four main types of MCT oil. And when you get MCT oil on the shelf, it may be a blend of, of you know, a lot of those. Uh, but you want to one, maybe woke, uh, focus on one that are high, that's higher in C8. Perfect uh, Keto with, just came out with one that's exclusively a C8. Cool. Yeah. So C8, it's named from the carbon bonds, so the eight carbon bonds. It's caprylic acid is what it is. Right. Um, so, yeah, the, the shorter carbon C8 is easily broken down. It's like brain fuel. So, yeah, perfect, perfect thing to try, the perfect ketones one. So I wonder, too, if she had some kind of a, a, a gut bug, uh, if it would also be sapping her of energy and, and mental uh, because it's sitting there eating all of her nutrition for her. Well, uh, totally, totally. I mean, you know me. I can talk about gut health all day long. <laughs> but, but that's something that maybe she hasn't considered, that if she's really strict keto and getting great ketones, maybe, just maybe, there's something going on inside so she can run some tests right to see if she's got you know, SIBO or any of these other kind of things going on? Yeah, you don't have to have necessarily gut symptoms to have underlying gut problems. And many people are not having, you know, bathroom issues, but they are having these latent underlying gut issues. I think the study is, and it's on my website, but it's around 22% of people with these underlying gut issues have no significant digestive symptoms, but they're having like the ripple effect because your gut is your second brain. So I oftentimes see these latent second brain issues impacting the first brain uh, and contributing, at least contributing to fatigue. Uh, and we have to, you can look at adrenal fatigue and HPA access issues as well. Um, so there's a lot of things to consider. And, you know, we, we want the magic bullet and a ketogenic diet can be a piece of the puzzle. And for some people, it's a very large piece of the puzzle, but normally it's multifaceted where you have to take other things into consideration as well. Right. Well, Mary, thank you for your question. Let us know how you do. And we're up to the second featured question of the day from Deborah. Dear Jimmy and Dr. Cole, I am a huge fan of Keto Talk, and I've been eating keto for over four months. I'm a very healthy 38-year-old woman who suffered from vertigo for about six months every day that forced me to stop doing yoga since I couldn't keep my balance. Within the first six weeks of eating keto, my vertigo completely vanished, and I was shocked, to say the least. On New Year's Eve, I went on a bit of a sugar binge, uh, came out of ketosis. My vertigo returned with a vengeance, much worse than it had been before a couple of days later. Um, It's thankfully only lasted for about a week and uh, hasn't been back since. Seeing how powerful keto was in managing my vertigo, I definitely don't want to ever go out of ketosis again. Is there any research connecting a ketogenic diet 
to curing vertigo? Or have you seen this in any of your patients in your functional medicine clinic, Dr. Cole? I don't know if it's coincidental or if keto actually stopped my vertigo. My doctors all say that they have no idea what's causing it to begin with. And now I'm curious why keto is seemingly resolving it. Thank you and keep up the great work. Deborah, this is one of the best questions we've had in a very long time because I had not heard about this before. Does a ketogenic diet cure vertigo? And is there any science that shows that? So vertigo or you know, basically extreme dizziness for those that don't really know what it is, but it's it can be debilitating. It is like people are bedridden. It's very can be very severe. Christine people, had it one time when we were traveling. We were in Durham seeing Dr. Westman and and she was in the hotel room. I was out getting a, her a coffee or something. And she calls me and says, the room is spinning. I can't. I, I feel like I'm falling off the bed and I'm just sitting here and it's just scary. So I stormed yeah. back. We called the ER and yeah, it was a scary thing. Yeah. And it's it, vertigo. It's really can be caused by a number of factors. Uh, so just because someone has vertigo, the many different, you know, for di- from a differential diagnosis standpoint, it can be several different issues. But yeah. if it's caused by neuroinflammation or, you know, brain inflammation, then yes, there are really great studies to show the positive impact that a ketogenic diet can have on inflammation levels and driving neuroinflammation levels down. And yes, to answer your question, that is, those are the cases that I see really positive improvements with the ketogenic approach in uh, people that have brain inflammation. And it seems like the person that asked this question saw that as well. Um, so if, also, other aspects to consider, if the vertigo is caused by a food sensitivity, like a gluten sensitivity, uh, which I have seen frequently, avoiding gluten just inherently in a ketogenic diet, that can also be a benefit um, there. You're just avoiding foods that are immunoreactive and inflammatory. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the beta-hydroxybutyrate or the ketone, but it's just you're avoiding these foods that are causing this neuroinflammation. Um, but, I mean, if it's upper cervical, like an upper like neck issue that's causing the vertigo or like just musculoskeletal issues, if it's an inner ear issue, then, you know, I'm not so sure. It's not going to hurt to do a ketogenic diet, but if those are the causes, if it's like a structural biomechanical issue that's causing the vertigo, I don't know if directly a ketogenic diet alone is going to solve your vertigo. For Deborah, it seems like it's some kind of inflammatory pathway that dampened down when she went keto and then kind of went cray cray when she had the sugar on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So is there any study? I, I, I'm not aware of any research looking at ketogenic diets and vertigo. Have you seen any? I have not seen any specifically, no. And that's encouraging all the great researchers out there that are listening to the show to get on to do it. <laughs> At least with that one classification uh, of vertigo, I think that would be fascinating to take a look at it. So, Deborah, Definitely. thank you for sharing your story about how it helped you. You might spur some some research now. Well, we're going to pause here. We'll be right back. Do you miss the taste of homemade cookies and perhaps granola that you grew up on? Well, allow me to introduce you to Grapal. Go to JimmyLovesGrapal.com and you'll find out about this sweet and salty cookie granola. It's got really delicious cookie chunks all in it, you guys, with lots of bold flavors. I love eating Grapal like cereal with unsweetened almond milk or coconut milk. And you can even use it as dessert with that keto ice cream from my cookbook, Grapal. 
doesn't have any GMOs, doesn't have soy or grains or sugar or any of the other stuff that we don't eat on a ketogenic diet. And best of all, I love that it is full of 85% healthy fats. Go to JimmyLovesGrapow.com. That's G-R-A-P-O-W. Enter the coupon code Jimmy at checkout and get 15% off of your order. You're going to want to get this, you guys. It's Grapow. Hey guys, I've got a great new product to tell you about here today that is the first all-in-one keto meal that gets its nutrition from quality real foods. It's called Ample K. Go to amplemeal.com, enter the coupon code MORE15, that's M-O-O-R-E-1-5 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Ample K is the first complete keto meal that gives you all the healthy fats in a powdered mix-on-the-go Format. It will help you stay in ketosis with just six net carbs for a 400 calorie meal. It is packed with MCTs for enhanced ketone production and 70% of the calories come from fat, which will help you satisfy your hunger, give you energy throughout the day and keep you in ketosis. It also is good for the gut health and they put 40 billion CFU probiotics in every meal. Again, it's called Ample K. Go to amplemeal.com. And be sure to enter the coupon code MORE15 at checkout for 15% off of your first order. Ample K. We're back here with Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. And we are up to the third featured question of the day. And this one is from a DO named Dr. Dorothy. Hi, Jimmy and Will. I wanted to ask you guys about the safety of nursing while in ketosis. I'm a physician who was reamed in an online medical mom-focused weight loss forum because I shared that I was nursing my baby while in ketosis, and people were saying that ketones are harmful to babies and can cause developmental delays. I knew this was completely completely whacked since we know ketosis is a natural state for babies and humans in general. I'm eating 60 grams of carbs daily, so I'm probably only mildly keto anyway. The studies they cited had to do with epileptic children eating ketogenic diets and having neurological delays. My baby eats the same keto foods I eat, and I add in a few berries for a sweet treat. She's completely healthy, has never been sick. I was just stunned to hear so many of my fellow medical colleagues react so harshly to what I see as being an extremely healthy way to eat. So are you aware of any scientific evidence that shows a ketogenic diet is safe for nursing babies? Sincerely, Dr. Dorothy D.O. So she wants to know, is there any scientific evidence, either pro or con, for using ketogenic diets while nursing? So I I mentioned this uh, a few weeks back, I think it was on the 100th uh, episode, uh, that there's not a lot of research done on nursing and you know ketosis, but there are a few studies out there. Uh, there's one study that comes to mind. It was published in 2009, and it showed that, A, uh, comparing low-carb, high-fat uh, dieters, women uh, having uh, eating a ketogenic diet, compared that to a high carb, low fat diet. They lost more weight, and they also did not decrease the uh, milk production. Um, but no, I, like you had said in the question, Dr. Dorothy, is that this is a natural metabolic state for babies to be in. So there's no negative uh, research that I'm aware of on this topic. Uh, at the same time, I wouldn't 
necessarily start going keto if the mom is just, you know, just gave birth, is, is nursing, and then she decides, okay, I'm going to go keto. I don't think that's the best time because there's the metabolic shift. Yeah. There may be some detoxing going along. It's just not a good time to start. Um, so, but if the mom's already keto through the pregnancy, if she's now she's nursing, I don't think that's an issue at all. And there's no studies to show otherwise. I would make sure you're well hydrated, make sure you're eating enough food um, calorie wise. So, yeah, that's what I would say. So with keto being so popular, perhaps there's women who are having babies and then to lose the baby weight, they're like, well, let me try this keto thing. So you're saying that's a bad idea. What, what would be the ramifications of that? Well, I would just say if the mom is breastfeeding and she's concerned with, okay, breastfeeding and getting enough calories through that, I would say any diet change and going from, let's just say the standard American diet to a ketogenic diet during this time, I would, I'm just saying from a patient standpoint, I would rather that if the patient can handle it, that's fine. Um, But a lot of patients, they, uh, this is a transition and they're going to have some maybe keto flu, they're maybe have some detox symptoms. Yeah. There's a lot going on for a new mom. I don't know if that is the best timing. I don't think it's dangerous, um, but I just don't think it's ideal. And I, I'm all for setting the patient up for sustainable success. And a lot of times if they're doing too many things at once, being a new mom and starting a new way of eating, can be overwhelming. And then they feel like a failure. Um, so I think that by all means, there are certain type A personalities that can do it. I don't think it's a problem. Um, but for the average person, I would say set yourself up for success. I will tell you this question that Dr. Dorothy has brought up uh, of of nursing and, and even getting pregnant and while you're pregnant and going through the pregnancy process and being keto. That's one of the biggest questions that I get that I don't have a good resource for. Uh, maybe somebody out there listening you're, you're all up in this and, and you have experience with this and you understand, uh, you know, maybe an OBGYN that uses keto with her patients or something. Um, I would love to see a resource about this because I get a lot of questions about this. Well, we are up to the Keto Talk mailbox portion of the show, and it's officially the shortest question we have ever gotten in the history of this show. <laughs> Here it is from Kathy. Hey, guys. Would the ketogenic diet cause my skin to start yellowing? Thanks. That's literally all she said, Will. So uh, let's rule out jaundice. (laughs) And what else would cause it to start yellowing? And and what in the ketogenic diet beyond eating gobs and gobs of squash, I suppose, um, would would cause your skin to start to yellow? Yeah. So does the keto? Yeah. Right. Does the ketogenic diet cause skin yellowing? Short answer: No. uh, Not inherently. Um, So, like Jimmy had said, look at your eyes. Look at your poop. We we had the poop cast a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, Make sure there's not yellowness going on there. Yummy. It could be it could be a liver issue, hepatitis, jaundice, things like that. and also look at foods that are high in vitamin A. Um, that vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin. Uh, are you supplementing with vitamin A? That can cause skin yellowing. There are people with different genetic um, mutations that their body is not at as good at converting beta carotene to the active vitamin A. So that there may be a, a vitamin A conversion uh, issue from a genetic standpoint. 
lowered, I, something else I'm aware of is lowered thyroid hormone. If your thyroid hormones are not optimal, this can reduce the conversion of carotene to active vitamin A and also B12 deficiency, um, which isn't common with a ketogenic diet, but there are people with um, genetic mutations, again, like the MTRR uh, mutation, which is a funny sounding you know, acronym. It's a methylation gene similar to MTHFR. MTH, MTHFR yeah. yeah. So it's like MTHFR's less popular cousin. Uh, they, they typically require higher B12 levels too, which that can cause um, some skin yellowing too. So those are some things to consider, but none of those are inherent to the ketogenic <laughs> diet. Those are just some weird like functional medicine and stuff that I know. If you work in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, you might be an Oompa Loompa. I'm just kidding. So <laughs> they're orange, not yellow anyway. <laughs> well, Kathy, thank you for that very short but very interesting question. It was perfect for Keto Talk Mailbox. And we are up to the Apple Podcast Reviews portion of the show. And because we recorded this a couple of weeks before it airs, there's still none uh, this week. But that's okay. It gives you plenty of time to go check out Keto Talk on Apple Podcasts. Look us up, Jimmy Moore, Dr. Will Cole. You'll find the show. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. I know you're listening because I see it there on the on the charts. You guys are listening in droves, and we really, really appreciate all your support. So that's it for episode 102 of Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. KetoTalk.com for full show notes for this and every episode. And if you'd like to connect with your fellow Ketonians, that's at KetoTalkFB.com. So, Will, until next Thursday, we'll see you then. You've been listening to Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. Visit our website, ketotalk.com, for full show notes for this episode. If you love Keto Talk, then drop us a review at iTunes. Thanks for joining us for today's episode, and we'll see you again next Thursday. Disc of Light.